just get right down to business. This, this is the Joe Robert Show. This is Joe Robert, and I have Bill Guido on with me tonight. Uh, you know, we've known each other for four years, and uh, we've both been investing in crypto for over four years now. It's been uh, quite a roller coaster of up and downs uh, on a weekly basis. We want to bring you live, kind of go over what's going on in the crypto markets and, uh, you know, discuss anything that's hot in the news and ask, answer any questions. And so, Bill. Yeah, ahead. I can't believe it's been, wow, four years, 2018, 2017, we first connected. But uh, wow, I can't believe it's been that long. It really is incredible. We're in another bull market right now. So I know over the last few years, uh, you know, uh, we continuously hear of someday an ETF coming to Bitcoin, right? And, yeah. you know, it was supposed to maybe happen a few years ago and everyone kept waiting and waiting. And now we're actually seeing some things in the news and some things are happening this week with a futures ETF. Can you kind of explain what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually two uh, futures ETFs that are going to be approved. The first one is going to be tomorrow. And I believe the ticker is going to be BITO, and that's the CoinShares Futures uh, Bitcoin ETF. And then the second one is going to be um, Valkyrie's Future ETF. And they just changed the ticker to BTFD, um, otherwise known as Buy the Fucking Dip. So very creative marketing there. Um, the other interesting thing is uh, Valkyrie is Leah Wald's company. And she's been deeply in the space, uh, especially a Bitcoin maximalist, as as I uh, have researched her. So it's interesting to see that uh, she went the route of the ETF. And I know she and her team have been very vocal with um, the importance of involving traditional funds and bringing this ETF to uh, reality. So it's great to see that happen. So what do you think the actual effect on a price is going to do? Do you have an op opinion there? Yeah, I think um, I think we're going to see some excitement because of the general uh, Bitcoin bull market right now. I don't know if necessarily this is the ETF that everybody's waiting for, because obviously we're looking for a spot ETF where uh, you're going to be scooping up actual Bitcoin behind the scenes and giving investors exposure to some sort of product that's linked to the price. Um, so this is not exactly that. However, um, any news is good news for Bitcoin. And uh, I think we're going to see some excitement and we'll see how it performs. Uh, I, I expect it to perform similar to Grayscale, um, their fund feature and, and GPTC. Uh, as the market continues to grow. Yeah, I know last year, you know, I gained uh, some exposure to GBTC. I know a lot of investors were investing there the last few years because there was a premium on the public markets after the shares were unlocked, right? And uh, now everybody, since the uh, premium is trading at a discount, everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens. And if we're going to get uh, official ETF, what is your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because there's, been a lot of commentary as of late as to what's going to happen, right? Like, uh, who has the most exposure to Bitcoin in the traditional uh, market? Who has the financial and the custody solutions already built out? Who's got the most um, experience with Bitcoin, handling Bitcoin right now? And it's the folks over at Grayscale. So to me, it makes most sense for Barry Silver and his team over there uh, to just convert what they have, uh, GPTC, into a spot 
uh, Bitcoin ETF. And I think we're going to see that. So over the weekend, it was interesting. Uh, Suzu from uh, Three Arrows Capital uh, was mentioning this exact strategy. And um, Barry Silver actually responded to the extent saying, you know, like, just wait. And so this was huge all over crypto Twitter saying basically, you know, Barry knows what's happening. The people uh, and the stakeholders for GPTC are want this exposure and they want uh, this conversion. And this is going to send a shockwave throughout the whole uh, traditional finance, but also the crypto community, because there's nobody better out there than Grayscale for handling this stuff. So it just makes sense. Not a grayscale has been kind of raking in with their two to 300 basis points uh, uh, based on assets under management. I mean, yeah. that, that may change now moving forward as a lot of competitors kind of come into the space. What is your take there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> look, I think grayscale owned that industry for the longest time. They made a lot of money there, um, but they also provided a very necessary service. Um, we're eventually, the, you know, the war for, for zero is on and, the, the fees are going to get minimized and minimized, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very, very competitive. So it'll be interesting to see. There's going to be trust associated with uh, Grayscale. There has not been any hacks. There has not been any lost keys. There have been no issues with Grayscale. So one of the things that I'm looking for is who's got the most trusted track record, right? Fidelity, uh, all these other custody solutions are involved. Um, there's... Uh, a number of ETF solutions out there, but really who's got the most experienced team because we are going to be dealing with actual Bitcoin. So to me, I would rather use uh, a provider who's had a seamless uh, history of zero hacks, zero issues whatsoever. So I'm all for grayscale, but they're going to have to lower their prices. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with so many applications in. And, uh, you know, if there's 10 Bitcoin ETFs, they all are doing the same thing. They're all under the same regulatory guidelines. I mean, you know, what that's, you know, what will happen to the ma management fees, right? Yeah. And, and you can look at the uh, Canadian uh, examples out there as well. So like, um, there's a num there's a number of them. I think there's two out there, and uh, I don't know ex exactly what the price breakdown is and and how the uh, fee structure works for them. But uh, there's competition, right? And I guess that's the point. And I think in a U.S. market, uh, I think we'll see three to four easily be approved over the next probably six to eight months. All right. Well, let's roll on since uh, let's roll on to the next topic, right? I mean, definitely coming in over the last week uh a coinbase yeah. nft signups i mean the last couple of days the nft volume has been going down a little bit Some, hopefully nobody's jumping off a bridge but uh <laughs> based on last week's signups this may only be the beginning yeah um it's super fascinating right like OpenSea is not a new platform. Well, new in, in the sense of you know crypto one year is like 10 years but they've been around since 2018 um but it's taken them close to three years to get 500,000 users on there. Um, it's interesting that Coinbase came out last week for a sign up in a wait list for their NFT platform, which they're going to be rolling out. Um, and I think they're over one and a half uh, million on the wait list right now. So what does that tell you about the power of Coinbase, the power of um, the, 
the brand that they've built, but also the level of interest with the NFTs right now. The interesting thing is that if you've used OpenSea, it may be easy to us, but the reality is you try and uh, walk somebody through it who's not familiar with uh, crypto, doesn't have a MetaMask account, doesn't have Ethereum on MetaMask. There's four or five steps involved in buying these NFTs, and it's a pain in the ass, if we're being honest. Um, and especially if you're dealing with the gas fees that on the Ethereum network right now. So OpenSea deals with um, Polygon, Ethereum, and one, of, one other, I can't remember. Um, but the reality is it's still expensive. It's still a pain in the ass. There's still failed transactions. So it's very uh, unuser friendly. If Coinbase can allow credit cards and cash to buy NFTs, this is going to be a game changer because you know how many people out there want to buy those Kongs and baby Kongs with cash <laughs> and these investors want to jump on board, but they don't have MetaMask, they don't have Ethereum, they don't even know what it is. They just want exposure to NFT and Gary V and his crew are going to be smart if they can jump on, connect with Coinbase. They're, uh, you know, the NFT collection that they have is going to explode if they can get people to buy with cash. Yeah, I mean, what's going to be the incentives uh, for people like Gary V to kind of work with Coinbase? Uh, you know, I think <laughs> it's a, it's a no-brainer. Like, it's all about ease of use. I mean, there's this cult kind of uh, following around, you know, how difficult it is to use the crypto stuff, and that's why there's an advantage, and that's why there's such high returns. And people almost like to brag about how difficult DeFi and NFTs are, but once you open the floodgates to the public, you see what happens when coins are listed on Coinbase now in the bull market. It's going to be the same thing. Do you think from a security standpoint that uh, Coinbase is actually going to be better for the end user when it comes to buying and selling NFTs because they have might not have to worry about their seed phrase and you know utilizing MetaMask or a ledger and so forth where there's a higher yeah. security risk? Yeah, I, I, I am, I'm envisioning... <clears throat> Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini, all the major platforms having access to uh, NFTs. So I'm actually envisioning a decentralized NFT platform. So there'll be CFI and DeFi for NFTs. Uh, where Coinbase uh, plays in, I don't know. But look, they're trusted. They're number one. They're publicly traded. They've got a following. People are going to use it because... They store their crypto on there and they want to get involved in NFTs. It's a no-brainer. Well, where do you, how, how big do you think this market can expand? Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, we've seen what happened this year, right? Nobody expected, you know, going from, uh, I mean, zero practically to, you know, uh, six-figure, seven-figure JPEGs kind of being traded. And, you know, even a lot of floor prices on projects hitting eight to 10 ETH. You know, it's hard to conceptualize how many people across the world can pay 50K for a JPEG. Um, what's your take there? <laughs> so, you know where I stand on, on the uh, NFT. So, I am a recent convert in that I have exposure. I understand the process. I get it. I get it, but there's still that voice in the back of my head that says this is the greatest Ethereum grab in the history of cryptocurrency, even more so than the ICOs. And the 
more you dig deeper into it, there's the same kind of setup as 2017. We've got the insider groups that are pumping various uh, launches for NFTs. They're pumping various mints. We saw what happened on OpenSea when one of their members was front running uh, the, the launches. There's corruption, there's exposure. There's a floor price that's introduced that's manipulated across a number of different investors. This is no different than the ICO run of 2017. However, I do believe that there's value in some of these tokens and there's value because they're rare, there's value because people wanna buy and sell it, that's it. So I'm not gonna argue anymore and I kind of bent the knee to the NFTs, but uh, look, People want to buy it. People want to spend the money on it. People want to trade it. Go for it. Um, we will look back as we did with CryptoKitties and say, wow, my JPEG of a, of a baby Kong is now worth uh, 80 bucks, <laughs> not worth you know $40,000 when it once was. So it is what it is. And people are going to, are going to play that game. The cream will rise from the rise to the top over the next few years. I think so. I think so. It's not going anywhere. I can tell you that much. As somebody who was a skeptic and was against the NFTs and didn't quite understand it, there's a community that is deeply entrenched. Um, there's DAOs that are uh, spinning out projects left and right. There's a lot of uh, a lot of good that's happening in this area. So I have nothing nothing too bad to say about it anymore. All right. Well, let's, I mean, obviously we'll see what happens here in the next, uh, next year. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, let's roll on to, uh, you know, lending, lending services, right? There's a lot of, a lot of places that are available now over the last few years where you could park your crypto, earn interest on it and, uh, you know, have it as a place of store storage also. Um, some of the providers like BlockFi, Celsius Network, Nexo, have recently received letters and a couple have received a letter in the last week from the New York state uh, attorney general. Right. right? And to stop operating. Uh, what's your thought on kind of what's happening there? Yeah. So the, the question is, and Gary Gensler addressed it is a stable coin a security, right? Does it fail the Howey test? Um, and I don't think, there's two, two trains of thought. If people are buying it just for the purpose of investing it on a platform like BlockFi and Celsius with the expectation of it going up in value or providing a dividend payment, I can see the beginning of an argument being made for this being a security. However, the reality is that these stable coins are are versions of, of us dollars on various blockchains and their their sole purpose is not to gain interest on certain platforms there's the purpose is to hedge uh movement into other currencies and also just move dollars across different blockchains so there's also a, uh, an argument to be made there that hey this is you know this is um this is not a security so I, I'm more in favor of that. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, if it was a security, they definitely should have been on this in the last couple of years, right? I mean, a lot of these companies already had billions in the pipeline. Uh, if it was such a big concern, I, I think they should already have addressed that. You know what I mean? You hear my cat in the background? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Joining the crypto updates, right? Exactly. Um, Look, I agree. I mean, BlockFi has been around. Celsius has been around. We've got a new. We've got a new um, SEC representation there. They're going to start diving into everything. I think they've got bigger problems, to be honest. And at the basis, what is the? uh, I mean, so for those that don't know. what what can they do with these services if they already own crypto, whether they have Bitcoin, USDC, Ethereum? Yeah, so they can uh, essentially hold them on these platforms and it will allow them to earn uh, interest on those uh, stable coins. So just like you would have uh, dollars in your interest in your uh, savings account, you can convert US dollars to stable coins, hold it on a platform like BlockFi and it's lent out to uh, entities, to conglomerates that want to purchase uh, Bitcoin or use those uh, USDC, whatever it is, GUSD, uh, for other purposes. And then in return, you're paid interest on that. So I think right now, BlockFi just raised their rates on uh, stable coins to 8.25%. So Try to find a bank account out there that'll give you 8.25% interest on your dollars. It's impossible. So uh, there, there's value there for holding stable coins. And so, how, and I guess, uh, you know, I mean, what else do we have to leave off there on the, on the <clears throat> lenders? Well, the, the interesting thing is how, uh, how this is going to play out, right? Um, bull versus bear market. Is there going to be more? What are the interest rates going to look like in a bear market now versus what they looked like 2018, 2019? Um, As the futures contracts and futures ETFs and spot ETFs grow in popularity, how is that going to impact the ability to lend out your Bitcoin, lend out your Ethereum, lend out your stable coins? Who's going to be borrowing it to, to buy uh, and what does that do to the interest rates? So uh, it kind of, the other interesting thing is like Ethereum, for example, you can stake your Ethereum on Kraken or even Coinbase or run a node or uh, run stake it yourself and you can earn about five and a half percent. Or you can put it on a platform like BlockFi or Celsius or Nexo and you can lend it out and get a similar rate of return. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think right now. Uh, It's all contingent on Ethereum 2.0 launching, but there's a number of different options out there. uh, And the people who signed up early and have been using it, uh, uh, you know. They made out well. Yeah, they have done well. And as an investor, you're you're always protected. Obviously the government's looking out to protect all the investors, right? Sure. That, that's that's what they say. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing is uh, Celsius Network has come under attack recently. And in fairness, they've, you know, I remember when they were doing their ICO. I remember when they were touring. I mean, we, we saw them in uh, uh, Amsterdam. We saw them all over the place. Uh, Korea, I remember. And they were very driven and very motivated they knew exactly what the market was going to look like and they they were they were ahead of the game i will give them that um the problem is you know they've most recently just raised about 400 million dollars and i suspect that is going to be to develop a lobbying program 
and for legal protection. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use that 400 million because they have five uh, streams of income for that generate their rate, rate of return, which you talked to Alex, uh, what was that, a couple weeks ago? So they are they are different than other platforms. I'll give them that. So I'm just curious what happens if they actually deem it some type of security and you have majority of people that are on board and they're unaccredited. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Their <laughs> <laughs> user base will drop tremendously. All right, well, let's roll into uh, the next update, Consensus, right? They are uh, getting raising capital and new $3 billion valuation. Is that correct? Yeah, so uh, they just did another round of uh, capital raise. So I forget exactly what the, what the dollar amount was, but they're valued right now at $3 billion. So Consensus is one of the biggest development groups for Ethereum. Joe Lubin's been running that for years now. Um, an early investor in bit in Ethereum, Bitcoin, but it's interesting to say, you know, why are they raising additional funds, right? Like we know long, the longevity of the Ethereum blockchain uh, counts on consensus, counts on number of these groups to continuously uh, develop on this platform with Ethereum 2.0 coming out. They need developers and capital flowing into the market, but. Um, with Ethereum going from what, two hundred, a hundred dollars from what, thirteen months ago to almost four thousand, you would think that they wouldn't need injections of additional capital on top of that. But again, I don't have access to their books, but more money is always good, and I guess the time to take that money is in a bull market, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think we all also we seen the news that. Um... A couple uh, firms are kind of banning some type of NFT and blockchain games. Yeah, this was interesting. Um, Valve, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, gaming companies out there. So back in the day, that was like Half-Life and all those, you know, the, those games. But now they've grown into this gigantic uh, conglomerate. But they're taking a step back and just saying like nothing is going to be listed on there. There's going to be no involvement with NFTs, no involvement with blockchain. So like, what is the message they're trying to send? They're going to isolate their user base. They're going to piss a lot of people off. So it's interesting. It's very interesting to see. Like, I don't get it. I really don't. Did I hear something about steam blockchain also uh, kind of participating in that? I, I can't recall. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I don't, yeah, interesting. All right. Well, let's, uh, you know, what's kind of happening in the market. I mean, for all the people that are kind of coming on board right now, obviously there's, um, probably a lot of new people that have not been through what most of us have been through the last four years, meaning all the different ups and downs with the wins, the losses, and ultimately the, the education that goes behind that. Right. Um, so, you know, for those getting started, how, how should they approach us? Uh, crypto in general, investing, first time investing. Yeah, let's let's get into crypto investing, right? I mean, how how do they kind of uh, filter through the noise and you know at least have a base to get started? Yeah, I think the you know the, it's very easy to get sucked into the groups that are out there, Reddit, sub subreddits, um, Discord channels. There's there's so many groups out there, but 
if if you don't if you don't have Bitcoin, you have no business buying other cryptos. That's I will stick to that. Um, if you are not transacting from an exchange to a wallet, holding it, understanding that deeply, have experience and confidence in doing that, don't get involved in anything else first. Like first step, use something like Coinbase. Download it on your phone. Connect to your bank account. I've seen people very easily. I mean, I've had that app for six years now, almost over. Um, and you're able to download it, put in your information, connect your bank account, and buy within three or four minutes. Nobody else can do that. Um, that's the easiest step. Use a trusted platform like Coinbase. Once you're comfortable, pull it off the exchange, put it into cold storage, but we can get into that later. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go into deep dive tonight. Uh, just what are some of the maybe uh, five main things or so that you kind of look at when it comes to underwriting a project? Sure. So um, when we're looking at projects uh, and when we've looked at them in the past specifically, um, <clears throat> it's no different than companies, right? Like wh who's involved with the company? The team, what's their mission? What are their core values? Do you believe them when you have conversations with them? Uh, do they have confidence in what they're saying? Do they understand the the, uh, the cryptocurrency space? Have they been involved in other projects before? Are they in it for the money? You can pretty much tell the guys that are in it for the money, how they launch, what their token structure looks like. Uh, is it an ICO? Uh, what does that look like? But I mean, if you, if you look back at the projects that we've taken the time to interview, taken the time to develop relationships with, um, they've gone on to do tremendous things. So like Helium Network is one of the big ones. Um, Phantom, we saw very early on. Um, you know, those guys were dedicated you could tell right off the bat that this was a long-term vision. And that's one of the biggest things too, like underwriting a, a project, look at their look at their roadmap, look at their vision. Is this a one to two year play? Or is this, hey, I'm gonna be here for the next forever. Um, and that's what you gotta look at. Yeah, everyone has a different uh, thought of how long they should hold a project, whether that be a short term, six months, five years, uh, you know, maybe beyond that. But definitely one thing that uh, we've learned to have a longer time horizon outlook, less trading, um, you know, ultimately just spend more time doing due diligence and finding the winners. Yeah, it's... Um... It's easy to, to be a genius right now. Uh, you can pretty much throw a dart at the wall and pick a winner. Um, but the reality is, <clears throat> are you going to find those chain links in the bear market? Are you going to allocate appropriately in projects that are releasing in a bear market, but you know that they're great projects and they're going to do multi multiples once things begin to move? Like That's what you need to be looking for right now. Um, we always talk about like Cardano, right? Cardano uh, was under two cents for the longest time. I mean, and it wasn't a new project. This was into 2019. This was sub five cents moving sideways, months and months and months. You didn't have to have, you know, you didn't have to go underwrite a new project. Look at the community, look at the development roadmap, look at the uh, token structure, 
look at the previous all-time high. It was there. Like, it's very simple. It's very easy. Uh, and, and many people didn't catch it. Many people just kind of looked the other way. But it's not hard to find these things uh, in the middle of a bear market. Is there any, uh, you know, we, we, I know we interviewed uh, Wu Trade Network just yeah. uh, a couple months ago. And ever since then, it uh, is up, you know, at least one or two X. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your thought on that project? Yeah. So Wu Trade is fascinating. Um, there's a lot of similarities with DYDX. Um, this is a uh, liquidity aggregator. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a platform that's providing liquidity to an, a wide variety of different exchanges. Um, there's a token associated with it. And uh, look, you can, you can look at the cash flows. You can look at how many people are using the platform, how the exposure and, and uh, what the how deep the liquidity is. Um, and with the exodus of crypto from China, there's a lot of need for people uh, to provide decentralized exchanges with liquidity. And that's why we see something like Wu Trade uh, begin to really take off. So, um, and I know in your interview with that team, you know, you hit on a lot of the core fundamentals. Like what, what, uh, what does the team structure look like? What does the token model look like? Why would anybody want to use this? Well, it's pretty simple. It's easy. Although us U.S. investors and, and U.S. <laughs> citizens can't touch the platform um, or buy the token, you can uh, you can pretty much model out where we see the future of this going, and, and uh, we think that they're going to be incredibly successful based on the new users jumping on the platform, the liquidity that they're providing, the connection between the DEXs and, and centralized finance entities. So. Very, very impressive team. Very impressive token movement as of late, too. Plus, they have no trading fees. That's right. They have zero. <laughs> All Thanks. right. Anything Anything else we want to leave off for this week? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how tomorrow looks with the ETFs. Um, we got Tuesday and Wednesday ETFs. Uh, I am expecting Grayscale to make an announcement sooner rather than later. And, you know, hey, we got to mention Bitcoin closed at its uh, highest weekly high for the week. Yes. So are we going to beat that this week? We'll see. And the other thing is, holy crap, like stop trading with leverage over the past few days. Like, have you seen the? it's like three, four, five thousand uh, uh, dollar moves quickly. So like it's just wiping leverage out left and right. So uh, buy, hold and just hang on. Yeah, rich, get rich for sure, not not lose it all in leverage trading, right? That's right. All right. Well, look, everybody, thank you for joining us. And the Joe Roberts Show.